Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. Good morning. So I'm watching, I'm listening to the announcement. It's Father's Day this Sunday. And it says, they're asking you if you have a classic car, you should bring it. Well, I, I believe I have a classic car. I bought the thing brand new. 2001 Dodge Grand Caravan minivan. <laughs> I have been a dad in that car for a long time, right? Father's Day car, minivan. We still have it. We're still driving it. I was just sharing with somebody. It's been a great car for us, except now when you're driving and you turn the wheel like this, it doesn't turn until you do this. Then it turns. So it's, it's showing age. But I think I could, bring, I could bring that car, put it out there, open the hood. Huh? I've got a remote control. Get this. You push it, and the back gate opens up automatically. I can make it go up and down. People, Wow. I, I'm just saying, just saying. You know there'll come a day when that will be the classic car sitting out in front of a church. We probably won't be there to see it. But you know, there'll be people going, wow, that is beautiful. We're all thinking, no, no, not so much. Okay, Randy and Susan on vacation with the family, just enjoying family, enjoying some time to rest and recoup and get ready to go. And Randy, a couple of weeks, came to me and said, hey, Robert, we're coming to the end of the Q&A series, and I need you to wrap it up. What do you think? And I said, I'd love to do that for you, Randy, for the church, for Gateway. We've been looking at questions that you've sent in, lots of questions. I asked Randy, I said, Randy, send me all the questions. I just want to see what, whoa, there's a lot of questions, great questions. And obviously, we're not going to answer them all. But the goal was never to answer your questions. The goal was to point you where you can get the answers. Because seriously, you need to know where to go to get answers. And if you go to our website and you go to the Find a Page, right, it says, as seen on Sunday, you kind of scroll down that, it'll say the Q&A series resources. Click on that, and it'll show you all kinds of cool stuff. But we all discovered through this series, there's lots of questions. Whenever you're thinking or reflecting on God, on life, or on your faith, it always comes with questions. I don't know about you, but it comes for me. I'm always, has, I always have questions. And then we talked about the apologetic side, and we defined that as defending the faith from both attacks and misunderstanding. And the aim of apologetics is to help the the, those who are Christ followers to grow in their faith because how can that not happen if you're searching God's word looking for answers he will use his word and he will grow you in your journey and apologetics the other aim is also to help remove stumbling blocks or those things that would stand in the way of those who have not taken that step of faith yet apologetics Q&A questions and apologetics and we've discovered and I know this to be true and you know this to be true that over the series of my own life as a Christ follower, in the last 30 plus years of being just in ministry, there's always questions. There's never ever a time where there isn't a question about God, faith, and life. And they're good questions. And they're heartfelt questions. But we've also realized not all of our questions are gonna be answered on this side of heaven. As you grow in your faith, as you get to understand who God is, you begin to realize that there's way more to God 
than what Scripture reveals. You begin to realize, and I believe we need parts of God that are mysterious to us. We don't understand. Because if we understood everything there was to know about God, we would not be in this room today. There would be no need for us to get together and talk. Because you know all there is to know about God. But we will never, on this side of heaven, know all there is about God. There are parts of him that we will not understand, and that's okay. And you need to be okay with that. Because I don't want a God that, over my life, that I have figured out. Because he ceased to be God at that moment of time. And he's just one of the, my friends. So there'll be things that we will never know about God. In fact, if you look in the book of Job, verse 11, starting, or chapter 11, starting verse 7, we cannot understand the secrets of God. Can, we, can you understand the secrets of God? Can you search the limits of the Almighty? His limits are higher than the heavens, and you cannot reach them. They are deeper than the grave, and you cannot understand them. In the New Living Translation, it starts out, the same passage starts out. Can you solve the mysteries of God? Can you discover everything about the Almighty? No. And that's okay. Because that puts God out there and not in here. Isaiah 55, starting verse 8. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than the ways, than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. We can't know there everything. And here's the truth about those statements, that we will never know everything there is to know about God. We will not understand all that he is doing because we look at our life, he looks at our life, big picture. We look at our life today. He looks at our life, whoa. And this is true. This is a truth about God and our understanding of God since the beginning of time. This is true today. And this will be true until Christ returns or until we meet him. That's the truth. It just is, as I like to say, it is what it is. However, questions will continue. I know for me, questions continue out of several different motivations. One is I just want to know. I'll go into Randy's office and go, Randy, what do you think about? Kind of peers up from his computer. Seriously? Go away. No, he doesn't do that. <laughs> Sometimes my questions come out of frustration. Why? Why? What if? What if? Sometimes my, first, my questions come out of pain. Why, God? Why? And sometimes my questions come out of tragedy. I will never know this side of heaven why God chose to allow my sister's infant to live only a couple hours. I'll never know why that. I don't know. Because my thoughts aren't his thoughts. My ways aren't his ways, because he's God. This morning, I want to talk about two truths. There are many things we don't know, 
There are many things we have no answers to and as pertain to God, pertain to life and our faith, but there are two truths that Jesus makes very clear to us today. He did this 2,000 years ago, so he does it today, and he's gonna do it until he returns. I like to say that these are two moments of times where Jesus takes his flag and plants it into the ground and says, okay, you don't know a lot of things, guys, but here's two things, two truths, and here's one of them. I'm gonna give you today, boom! Puts the flag in the ground, and you need to remember this, because this is true now. This will be true thousands of years, many years. This will be true until I return. And that's called the great commandment. There came a moment of time where one of the religious leaders went up to Jesus and said this. Hey, Jesus, Rabbi, when it's all said and done, when you have to boil it all down, what's the greatest commandment of all? What, what's it all about, Jesus? And this is what Jesus said to him. You must love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. But he doesn't stop there. A second and equal, equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Jesus plants his flag in the ground and says, you don't know a lot of things, but this you will know. This is true. You must act on this truth. Guys around me, you must act on this truth. 2,000 years later, he plants that. He's still planting that flag. He says, people of Gateway, you must act on this truth. This is a truth for you to act on. You are to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Woo. I don't know how you do that, but we strive to do that. And you are to love others in my name. That's the first truth flag in the ground. Make no mistake about it. This is what I'm about. And this is what I want to tell you, the truth. And then there comes another moment of time. Christ dies on the cross. He rises from the dead and he's meeting with his people. And he plants another flag just as hard as that first commandment, that great commandment. He plants another one called the great commission. And he plants that in the ground. He goes, this is true today. This will be true thousands of years. This will be true until I return. I want you to act on this truth followers. The Great Commission found in Matthew 28, starting in verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority of heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I command you, and surely I will be with you to the very ends of the age. Two very important truths Jesus plants his flag in. And this morning, I want to briefly talk about the second truth. Randy kind of unpacked the first truth just a little bit last week, but I want to talk about the second truth, about the Great Commission, about sharing the good news. Years and years ago, I ran across a book by Bill Bright, the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, evangelist. He wrote a book called Witnessing Without Fear. It's a book that ministered to me and spoke into my heart all about the importance of, of sharing faith. As a Christ follower, as an individual Christ follower, Jesus called me to share my faith in the book. Within that book, I want to share with you five reasons, as he, Bill wrote, five compelling reasons as Christ followers why we should be sharing 
Well, it's our responsibility to be sharing the good news as a Christ follower. I wish the book was out today because I would recommend for you to get it. It's a great book. It spoke to me and still continues. When I came across this again, God reminded me upside the head, boom, you need to remember this, Robert. This is stuff that wasn't just true now, it's true today. And I want to quickly share with you five reasons why you as an individual Christ follower need to be sharing the good news. Number one, Christ has given a clear command to every one of us who's clear, who's, who are Christ followers. Mark 16, 15. You are to go into all the world and to preach the good news to everyone. Acts 1, 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witness in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. These are powerful words that Jesus spoke. The Acts, as he spoke those words. And it says as he spoke those words, he ascended to heaven. You're to share the good news. Can you imagine the guy standing there listening to that? Sometimes we, don't, sometimes we don't stop and draw a picture of what that could look like. Let me give you an example. Jesus says, okay, guys, I want you to go share the good news, share the truth everywhere to everyone. What I've taught you, you need to go share. And you can see all the guys saying, yeah, I'm going to do that. Are you going to do that? I'm going to do that. And all of a sudden, Jesus does the floaty thing. Right? Can you imagine the disciples? They're all, yeah, you're going to do it. I'm going to do it. Where's he going? I knew he could walk on water, but whoa. Now, here's the deal. You're laughing, right? Because it's kind of funny. I believe there's points in God's word that God wants us to kind of giggle a little bit. He wants, to en- he wants us to enjoy his word. And I believe there's times, if you sit there and you actually think about the moment, they're all, wow, that's pretty cool. How does he do that? Why did he do that? What's, why questions, right? Why, why? Read on a little bit to the story, starting in verse nine, says, these were his last words, and as they watched, he was taken up and disappeared in the clouds, right? We just talked about that. And they stood there staring into the empty sky, and suddenly two men appeared in white robes. They said, you Galileans, why do you just stand here looking up in an empty sky? This very Jesus was who was taken up from among you to the heavens will come as certainly and mysteriously as he left. They're all standing up there. They're all probably the why questions. Why? Where? When? And then these two guys in white robes, thinking angels, kind of dropped in on them. And here's what he basically said, if they were to write this now, they basically said, hey, you guys, you need to get busy. Quit looking up in the sky. It is is kind of a cool, we'll agree with that. It was cool that he did that. But quit looking up in the sky and you need to get busy about sharing the good news. You need to get going. And if you want to see a group of people that got busy about the good news, read Book of Acts. They, They tore it up. They just went after it. And they got busy. But that truth... Where those men said, what are you doing? You need to get busy is the same truth today. God speaks. Jesus speaks to us today. You need to get busy. I'm telling you. The truth is, you need to get busy. You need to share the good news of Jesus Christ. 
Number two, men and women are lost without Jesus. The good news. This, you gotta think on this one. You need to understand this is a reality. This is reality. Those who have not made the step of faith, the Bible tells us, cannot connect with God. They're lost. And according to God's word, there's only one bridge between man and God himself. Because in the middle of the chasm is sin. And there's only one bridge, only one way. And according to God's word, that's Jesus Christ. Only one way. Jesus says it himself. John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Acts 4, 12. Peter, speaking of Jesus, says, there's no salvation and there is salvation in no one else. Under heaven, there is no other name for man to come up, to call upon to be saved. Jesus. And here's the reality. 2 Corinthians 4, starting verse 4. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand the message about the glory of God, who is in the likeness of God, or the glory of Christ, who is in the likeness of God. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made his light shine in our heart so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Until we come to grips and understand that to be true, we just go about our day. Without Jesus, there is no relationship with God, with God, with our creator. And Satan's playing a nasty game out there of distraction, of mirrors, and confusion, and blinding the eyes. And the reality is, we can't do anything about that, but God can Jesus Christ can. God's spirit can. One of the only times that the Holy Spirit speaks into a non-believer's life is when the Holy Spirit whispers and says, I love you, come to me. God's all about that. I love you, come to me. And all God's asking us to do is to step into a moment of time into their lives. He's done all the hard work and continues to do that work in his life. And we seem to think that they're, they're not even, there's nothing going on. But God all along has been working on their lives and we come in at a moment of time and God will use that if we're obedient. God will use that in their journey. Number three, people of the world are truly hungry for the good news, the gospel. Pascal's favorite state, I love this. This is my my favorite. There is, there is in the heart of each man a God-shaped vacuum. 
which cannot be filled by any created thing, but only by God the creator who's made, made known through Jesus Christ. In John 4, 35, Jesus talks about the whole idea of farming and planting and harvesting because he uses that as a metaphor for the deeper truth of the spiritual needy, the spiritual hunger. Saying, hey, look, people, I've been working in all these people's lives. I've been working in your co-worker's life. I've been working in your neighbor's life. I've been working in your family member's life for a long time through my spirit, whispering, saying, come to me. I love you. I want to have a relationship with you. Come to me. And all I, God saying, all I'm asking you to do is just step into a moment of time. A few minutes, a second. David Tripp shared with us in staff meeting a while back about how God had called him, talked to him, and said, you need to start praying for people. Duh, right? We're all like, of course we pray for them. Now David said, no, I was getting the sense that God was telling me, I just need to go up to people and pray for them. Now, I don't know if I could do this, and even David said, I wasn't sure I was gonna be able to do this. But he, as he got a sense where God told him to pray for people in parking lots and restaurants and grocery stores, he would just go up to people and he would say, I'm just sensing God wants me to pray for you on, for about something. Most of the time, people would go, yes, thank you. There were times where he said people said, no, 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 no. Don't need prayer. Who doesn't need prayer? Seriously, who doesn't need prayer? There were those times. But here's the point of that story. Is he, he entered into their journey for a brief second with a word of prayer pulled back right out. And you could say, well, that's nothing. That's, that's, you don't know what the Holy Spirit's been doing on this side of that moment, whispering into their life. You don't know how many people they've, God's brought into that person's life at this moment. And David was just part of that process. He just stepped in, prayed for them, stepped out. And you don't know what's happened since that moment of time. I realized a long time ago when I worked with junior hires, and I did that for many years as their pastor, that my job, I realized, was just to plant the seed. Because if you've been around a junior hire, they're just junior hires. Wah! Junior hire. And that's what I love about them. And I realized my, my role was to step in, plant a seed, step out. Not mean I don't love them, don't care for them, but... When God called me to step in and say a word to a junior hire, I did it. And now I look back and tells you how many years ago it was I did junior hire. A lot of these junior hires are now married, have kids of their own. And it's just fun to watch on social media how they've just been loving the Lord and how they're serving the Lord. And I reflect back and sometimes God will refresh my memory of a moment of time where I just sit there and go, man, that kid was so squirrely in the group. I remember the three, four times I had to throw them outside of the group. Um, if you do this one more time, you're not coming back. But I also remember the times praying for the kid or listening and how God just used my brief moment in their life. All right. Number four, we have the greatest gift available to mankind. 
The greatest news ever announced. Now, here's the deal. Do you believe that? You got the greatest gift to give to mankind. I see a lot of heads going. That's good. That's good, class. <laughs> you do. You sing about it. As I was saying, first hour, sometimes you just got to sing loud and hard those words to remind you this is true because life just beats you down and you forget all of this. And then, so then these big choruses come up and you, I find myself at times, I'll just listen to the, the verses and when that chorus comes, I'll just blast it out because even I need moments of times, you just say it loud enough, it becomes true and it reminds you, whoa, yes, this is what it is. Scripture makes this really clear. And I want to encourage you to keep your bulletin, keep your sermon notes. It's chock full of scripture. It's chock full of the five reasons you need to share. And also, I'll give you in a few minutes, three things, how ways to prepare yourself that you can constantly read over and over again. Not my words, but God's word. So let me give you this. Scripture makes the good news clear that it's a great gift. Romans 3.23, for everyone is sinned and falls short of God's glorious standards. Romans, or John 1.12, but to all who believe in him, accept in him, he gave them the right to become children of God. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, and whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Colossians 12, starting with verse 13. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. And this one is not in your notes. Please write it down. 2 Corinthians 9, 15. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. That's the gospel, verse by verse by verse. I'm not saying you need to sit there and read each one. You know, hey, I want to share something with you. Whoop, read it. What do you think? I'm just saying those are scriptures that you can use that God will bring back into your thoughts as you're talking to a friend who says, well, I don't think there's any hope. Mm, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. God so loved you. There is hope. And even if you can't say word by word, at least memorize parts and chunks of it that the Holy Spirit can bring back into your life. I know in my own Bible, I did this years ago. Now, I've had this for, I don't know, a bazillion years. I've had to tape it a few hundred times. But what I did many, many years ago is I, I knew was I bumped into people, and if I had God's word, with me at that moment of time, that I wanted to be able to walk them through God's word if they asked me that. So I thought, well, what I need to do is start with a verse that's very familiar to me. And guess what verse I started with? Come on, John 3, 16, right? For me. So I, I know where that is, so I found John 3, 16, and then I wrote next to John 3, 16, a little statement of where we're gonna go next. For all I've sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So then I wrote the next verse in there to go to. So then I knew where to go next. So then I go, okay, and you need to, and, and I took it all the way down to where that last verse I shared with you, 
Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And I'd always say, a gift is something you have to receive. This is something you want to receive today. I got to tell you, I had more no's than I had yes. But I did what God asked me to do. I stepped into the moment of time. I shared my faith. I stepped back out. I left the rest to God. And I got to tell you what. There were moments of times where people said yes, and it transformed me. There is nothing like being next to somebody that takes that step of faith into eternity with Christ, and it's just, unless you've, I can't even explain it. You just sit there and go, whoa, this stuff really works. For some of you, your decision when you made that step of faith was very emotional, wasn't it? Tears. For some of you, it was a process. God's just doing as God knows. God knows how I'm worried, wired. It's all process to Robert. He looks at me and goes, yeah, I could try working on, no, we're gonna do a process with Robert. I built him, I know how he works. This is how I'm gonna work with Robert. You need, if, if you made that decision, you need to go back and relive that moment of time when you took that step of faith. You need to reacquaint yourself with that moment. That was the biggest, most important decision you will ever make in your life when you made that step of faith. For some of us, it's just history. Because life has just clobbered us so hard. Yeah, yeah, I'm a Christ follower, yeah, I know. Take some time today or this week. If you need to, write it out. Think of, where was I? What was going on in my life? How did, how did I get to that moment? What did, it, what did I sense or feel as I stepped over that line of faith? And what have I learned since then? That might be where you need to start. Get reacquainted with your own decision, and then you'll want to go and share that. Greatest news ever given. Number five. The love of Jesus Christ for us is another compelling reason. The love of Jesus Christ for us and our love for him compels us to share him with everyone. John 14, 21, I'll let you read that. Talks about if we keep his commandments, we show that we love him. But we share this because we share because we love Christ. We share because he loves us. We share because we want to honor and obey Christ. And we share because he loves us. His love, and he loves us and has given us his love for others. The great commandment, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind. It starts there because if you learn to love the Lord God, then the love for others just naturally flows out of that. And the ultimate love for others is to share the good news with them. That's the ultimate of love. You're gonna share with them the best news they've ever heard. Will everyone accept it? No. But you're going to do what God's asked you to do. You're going to step in, step out. You're going to be a part of that person's spiritual journey. I see Jessica over here. I know working with you, a lot of years is just be a part of their journey, isn't it? In, their back, in your backyard. You said that and I just smiled. That is stepping into somebody's life for a moment of time in the backyard. Nowadays around a fire pit with the guys taking the fire and throwing it all over the backyard and you're wondering if the house is gonna burn down. But she, 
along with a lot of other people, are taking moments and they're stepping into kids' lives. And then they step out. Because they're trusting God on the other end, both ends of those other sides of it. That he'll do what only he can do best. And that's miraculous stuff. That's just amazing stuff. I'll never forget the time I sat next to a junior higher. My very first person I ever shared my faith with, little junior high kid, went through all the things, prayed the prayer, the kid ran out of the room. I sat there and I thought to myself, uh-oh. I found the junior high pastor and I said, I don't think I did it right. And he said, don't think you did what right? I, I just let the, I just, okay, I shared the stuff we're supposed to share and I asked him if we want prayer and he prayed the prayer. I don't think I worded the prayer right though. And then he just left. I don't think I did it right. And the pastor, junior high pastor at the time, just sit there and smile. Robert, don't worry about it. God will do what he's gotta do. You did what you had to do. It's not the words. We don't preach ourselves. We preach the good news of the gospel. God wires us to work with certain groups of people. God wired me for many years and still a little bit today to work with junior high. And I used it and I leveraged it. I stepped in and out. And now he says, I want to wire you to work with couples and families. And I step in and out of people's lives on God's behalf because it's my privilege to do it. Because of his love for me. However, real quickly, we're out of time and I'm gonna jet through these things. Not that they're not important, they're always important, but I want you to know, leave with these things. First Peter 3, 15 says, your heart should be holy and set apart for the Lord God. Always be prepared to tell everyone who asks you why you believe as you do. Be gentle as you speak and show respect. Let me give you three things you need to prepare. You need to prepare your mind. You need to be studying God's word. You need to be reading it. Again, take the, the bulletin, take the sermon notes home. God's word. Read through those. Remind yourself. Use God's word. Get in God's word. If you're not reading God's word, book of, I love the book of Mark. Action-packed book. Start there. Book of Mark. And then also read other authors that are out there. Like I mentioned Bill Bright. At that moment in my journey, which was way back here, God used that book of my life. And, and today, he brought it back to my memory. And two weeks ago, he said, Robert, Bill Bright, witnessing, I need you to use that on that Sunday. I'm hunting through my shelf trying to find it. I found it, and I opened it up, and I just spent several minutes just reading my highlights. Wow. Wow. Number two, prepare your hearts. Ask God to give you a heart of compassion. When I was working with junior hires, I was a junior high pastor. I'd always gather my volunteer staff together before we'd go minister to the group. And I would always pray, God, give us, give us your eyes to see what you see and break our hearts as we work with junior hires tonight. God, give us the eyes Give us your eyes to see what you see when you look at this kid over here that's just family life is devastated. This kid over here that's just a thorn in your, my flesh. 
and break our hearts as your heart is broken. You need to be praying that prayer for your coworker, for your family member, for the person at the grocery store, wherever. God, give me your eyes to see what you see when you look at the end of the hearts of these people and break my heart as your heart is broken for them. Prepare the way. This might seem obvious, but this is important. You have to pray. You need to pray for boldness to engage, right? (laughs) Some of you out there are just wired this way. You will leave here today, you'll get in the shopping line, and you'll be with your little car and go, hey, do you know that the good news is Jesus loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life? And, uh, And then you'll just, that's just who you are. You're so wired that way. Most of us aren't wired that way. We need to say, God, give us the boldness to say, the, to say what needs to be said at the time, gentle, with gentle words and loving compassion. Help us, give us the boldness to step into people's lives when you ask us. Give us that boldness. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through God, through him who gives me strength. Boldness. And then pray for wisdom, Right? I don't know what to say. That's what I hear a lot. I don't know what to say. Well, God says, hey, if you lack wisdom, what's he say? Go out and get it? No. He says, ask. If anyone who lacks wisdom should ask God. If you lack wisdom, should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it'll be given to you. Boldness. Ask for boldness. Ask for wisdom. And remember, you're not in the conversion part of it. You're just in the story part of it. You're just in that moment of time part of it. You're just in that chain of people that God's gonna use in the life of that person. You might just have the privilege of being on this part of the chain where you get to watch somebody step from darkness to light. And let me tell you, if you see that, you will never be the same. It will change you. And you, will, you cannot not tell people about Christ. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. The ultimate love for your neighbor, for your coworker, for your family member, is to share the good news. No app, no, there's no place where anybody can take an off-ramp here if you're a Christ follower. It just doesn't work that way. Be bold. Ask for wisdom. Let me tell you this, and I'm done. I promise you. I know some of you are looking at your watches. He's like Pastor Randy. He's going long. All right. This week, pray that God will give you his eyes to see people as he sees them and break your heart. Pray that he'll give you boldness to enter into their stories for the length of time he asks you to enter into their life story. And pray for wisdom when you step in there. And if God, and if you do that, and God uses a little moment of time in your life, you come hunt me down next, next uh, Sunday on Father's Day. I'm usually right over at the ministry booth area. I'm usually standing there with my wife, Karen. You hunt me down, and I want to hear your story. What a great, I'm a dad, what a great story for me to hear on Father's Day, how God used you in the life of somebody. And you will never know what that'll mean to that person, but that's Okay. Because there's things in life we will never know. But we do know the one who does know, and that's God.
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this, these people here today. And the, for those who know you, I thank you for their love for you, and I pray that you will give them boldness, and you will encourage them to share their faith. And Lord, I pray for those who are here today, maybe they've heard the news, but never taken that step of faith, and they're thinking right this moment, maybe it's time. I pray that you will give them boldness to do that, that your spirit will speak gently into their heart. It's time. It's time to come to me. I wait here with open arms. And I ask all these things in your name. Amen. Before you leave, I just want to let you know, we have our prayer team right here. If you're there tonight and you're, today and you're a Christ follower and you're thinking, man, I need to get about sharing my faith. You need someone to pray for you, to encourage you. Come forward, have someone pray with you. If you're there and this is your first time and you're thinking, I want to know more about this Jesus thing, this makes sense to me, come forward, our prayer team would love to talk to you. Have a great week. Don't forget, Father's Day next Sunday. learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.